This is a Shir on Likut Esicha, it's Chelek Chaf, volume 20 of Likut Esicha, is the portion of Vayichi, the first Sicha. The Pasuk in the portion of Vayichi, which says, Vayikra Yaakov al-Bono, Yaakov called his children, this is before he passes away, Vayirman, he says, Hey, Asful Vagid Alechem, gather together, and I shall tell you. That which will befall you, which will happen to you at the end of days. So our sages tell us, and this is based on the Gemara in the tractate of Psachim. Yaakov wanted to reveal to his children the end of days. The fact that it uses the language with a nun, although Yamim is Mem, that we can attribute to the Pasuk at the end of Daniel, which is in general a very interesting Pasuk. The end of Daniel, the last prophet. He basically says that there'll be another exile. We're talking about uh, the second temple exile will happen. And then there'll be a redemption. And the Pasuk in Daniel seems to give a date when the redemption will happen. He calls it Kate Sayamin, the end of days, but it's Yamin with a, Yamin means right, because the, the end of days, the Geula, will be something that's very much from the right side, the side of Kedushan. At any rate, Yaakov wanted to preempt this whole this whole mystery about Mashiach, and he wanted to use, to use proverbial language, he wanted to spill the beans. When he wanted to reveal to his children, he said, guys, come, I have the big secret to tell you, and then the Shechina went away from him. The Shechina went away from him, I mean, we'll soon try and understand what does that mean. He forgot, he also didn't know when Mashiach's coming, or he understood that something went over him, a demotion of sorts, and he understood he better what we can uh, say, ZG. You know what ZG is in Yiddish? Zog Gurnisht. Zog Gurnisht means don't say anything. Shh. Mum's the word, as they say in, in proverbial English. Shtum. Huh? You know, some things are better quiet, so he understood that he's not going to say. So now there is a, is Tamua, says the Rebbe, it's a very amazing thing. In other words, a, 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 a great question. It's certain that when Yaakov wanted to reveal to his children the end of days, Yaakov was not showing off, God forbid, that he knows when the, I have this information. Oh, do I have information? I'm going to tell you this information. No. He, he assumes or he understands that this is something that will be beneficial for his children. Life for everybody, any regular Jew is to serve Hashem. For the Shvatim, for Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, their total uh, Merkava, their total conduit for Hashem's presence. Of course, if he was telling his children something like this, it was because there was a benefit for the Shvatim. Or, if not for his immediate children, for their children afterwards. So the Rebbe asks, what would that benefit be telling his children the date when Mashiach's coming? Now, on the contrary, if now we're in the year 5,774... And we know that, please God, Mashiach is going to come now. So what are we saying? We're saying that in the year, in the year 2000, what, what are we talking about? Which year? We're talking about um, the year 2300, one second. The year of, 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 of the 1948 was Avram's birth, right? And this is, uh, whatever, okay, 2000. You know what? 2,448 was uh, Matera. This is about 200 years. Yeah, around the year 2,200 maybe. Uh, yeah, okay. But at any rate, it was thousands of years later that Mashiach is going to come from 2,000 to 5,000. So why would he want to tell them that Mashiach's coming in a couple of thousand years? 
you would assume that that would create a an awesome broken heartedness and a great diminishment of spirit a depression oh I have good news for you Mashiach's coming in 3,000 and uh, how many years? Let me just do the small change, take out the calculator. Exactly. But it's telling about the uh, end of days. It's a date. date. He was going to tell him a date. That's what the that's what the simple understanding. No. Because when you say end of the days, you don't know when it is. Kate is an expression, the end of days of life as we know it. And then Mashiach will come. <laughs> Borrowing from the language at the end of Daniel, when the exile will finish, when Mashiach will come. So, and that's the way all the Mepharshim understand that here, or the basic Mepharshim understand that. He wanted to tell them when Mashiach's coming, he's going to tell them he's coming in a few thousand years, they're going to be depressed. May as well <laughs> take a pill and go to sleep for a few thousand years. Well, what, are you gonna, what are you supposed to do? So Mepharshim answer that Yaakov wanted to reveal the end of days only to his children. They were tzaddikim. Being that they were so righteous, he was certain about them that even though it's going to happen in so many years from now, they will not give up their belief in Hashem. But even that, Hashem didn't want. Why did Hashem not allow him to reveal the end of days? Because Hashem didn't want that those that come after them will hear that information and say they're going to get depressed because it's in such a long time. Um. So... There's an interesting um so but 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 this answer is very difficult. Why? First of all, the fact that it will become known to others other than his children is obvious. When you tell 12 children a secret, it, it's not gonna say a secret. So why did Yaakov Avinu think to give out this information to his children? If it's a secret, just stay a secret. And the second and main question is: we didn't answer the main question. Okay, let's say he didn't think there would be a major burnout through telling tzaddikim that you have to wait a few thousand years. Okay, they're not going to get depressed. He's sure they're still going to serve Hashem. But what benefit is it to tell them? Okay, let's say it's not going to turn them off. But to say, years. Why tell them? Why? What is it? What's the benefit? Doesn't seem to be any benefit. In Ha'ara, in footnote number eight, in the original Sikha, he brings that there's a Pirush, Yefei Tayar, who says an interesting thing. You know why he would want to tell them that it's, it's so distant? Because yeah, then they're going to have a big schar. When, when something is a big, big uh, challenge and you overcome that challenge, you have a lot of reward. So by telling them it's happening a few thousand years and yet they don't have their, their, their um, they don't have a diminishment of their excitement and passion and serving Hashem, oh, now they get rewarded. But that's a bit of a problem because even a tzaddik davens every day, even a tzaddik gomer, complete tzaddik, davens every day in Berkot HaShachar, in the morning blessings, va'al, tivieni, loli, deni, sayon, va'loli, devi, sayon. Please, Hashem, do not bring me to the test. Mm -hmm. Don't ask for tests. When we get tests, we understand it's not Hashem saying, I don't want you to do the mitzvah. It's Hashem saying, I want you to try harder to do the mitzvah. We don't ask for those tests. So why would Yaakov bring something to his children that force a test onto them. And one second, by the way, we just said, how did he know that they're going to survive this test? Because of Ruach HaKodesh. He knew they were tzaddikim, and it's not going to depress them. So he's going to use his Ruach HaKodesh, that he knows they're not going to get depressed, in order to bring something upon them that really we all dive and we shouldn't have, which is a big test. But also he said that they will be in the, the end of days. He didn't say they will be. 
what will happen with you in the with you as the collective in Israel. So it means that will be in the end of the day. Well, you have a good Israel. point. In other words, you have you have an interesting point. You have an interesting point, and you're saying that this is a this is a promise. Interesting perspective. You have a promise that she's telling them it's going to take three thousand years, but there will be a Am Yisrael. What's going to happen with you in Achareita? I mean, in other words, there's going to be a. That's an interesting shot. Um, to look to see if there's any if there is any um, anyone that says that, maybe. But it's a, interesting. I like it. Let's leave it. Uh, we'll put it aside, and we'll. Maybe we'll try and uh, see see if it uh, you know the the pros and cons of, of thinking that way. Base. So number two. Also, we have to understand our sages tell us two opinions. One opinion is that the, that the end of days, the secret was hidden, also from Yaakov. Like the Medrash says, he wanted to tell them the end of days, and it was concealed from him. And that's the way the Medrash says it in the beginning of our parsha that it was concealed from him. There's another version, and that is that he still knew, but he didn't tell it to his children. Knows did he still know or didn't he know? Square brackets, the Rebbe says that this would also fit into the language of the Gemara, which says Yaakov wanted to reveal, but the Shekhinah departed from him. Doesn't say that the information went about the end of days went away from him. Because we could say that according to the Gemara, it's the Gemara is of the opinion that Taki he did know when the end of days is. What departed from him was what we call the Shekhinah. And he understood if Hashem's presence was departing from him when he wanted to tell this secret, it must be Hashem is not empowering him to do this. So he didn't say what he still knew. Or, the Rebbe says, if you want to go a little deeper, the word Shekhinah is the presence of Hashem, but it comes from the root word of Veshachanti B'Seicham, I will dwell in them, Veshachanti. So this whole, the whole thing that he was trying to achieve here, which is to bring Hashem's presence into the, into the world, into his children, they should be more aware of what Mashiach is going to come. This, this concept, this ability was withdrawn from him. And he understood he couldn't share this information. He couldn't draw it down. Lahashkin, Shachati, he couldn't draw down this level of godly revelation to the to his children. That, that was just a, a, a parenthesis. But now we have to understand, since, according to all opinions, Hashem is able to stop Yaakov from revealing this information, even if Yaakov does know it. So for what reason would it be that Yaakov Avinu forgets? He knows why is there even an opinion that Yaakov Avinu forgets or is blocked from knowing about the end of days? If it's enough that Hashem indicates he doesn't want him to, to tell his children, so leave it at that. Let him keep the information and indicate, Hashem should indicate to him that he shouldn't share it. Why is there an opinion that he, he totally forgot it. In other words, there must be an angle where even Yaakov, according to some opinions, needs to forget when the when the case is. What would that meaning of that be? Of course, it's a question where the answer, once we get to the answer, the question will become more, more important because it will it, point out what this means, what forgetting the case means for Yaakov as well. Paragraph three. From all this, we understand that both aspects, either way you look at it, whether revealing the end of days or not revealing the end of days, obviously there must be something beneficial to the Jewish people in their service 
to Hashem in their spiritual service to Hashem. In other words, if Yaakov wants to reveal it, there must be purpose. And if Hashem doesn't want it revealed, there also must be purpose. We want to analyze and understand both angles. Moreover, since Yaakov is one of the forefathers, and we know that the fathers are a Merkava, they're chariots, they're conduits, they're, they're, they're totally subliminated to the will of God. And the only thing they have in their entire persona is a sublimination to the will of Hashem. All their days, we have to say that the fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal till the moment when Hashem showed that he didn't want it revealed, this also must be in consistency with Hashem's will. If if, if the if the Yaakov, Abraham Yaakov can only do things that Hashem wants, so if he wants to reveal the Kamer Sheikh, it means there's an aspect of Hashem's desire where this is a positive thing. He didn't have any negative desires, things that were antithetical to Hashem. So this is also in sync with what Hashem wants. So there must be something positive to revealing Mashiach's coming. Yeah. I, the fact that in the end Hashem didn't allow it is because that there was a there was a need at that particular time. Let me see and more. there's a benefit that comes out from the fact that, that, that it's not revealed. In other words, this again, there's two sides to this coin. There's a benefit to be revealed, benefit not to be revealed. Both are valid. We have to understand um, the validity of both aspects. So now we'll understand also um, that these two opinions, did Yaakov forget it or not? Well, if we say that there's a virtue in forgetting, the question is, does that virtue of forgetting also apply to Yaakov? Or is it only that Yaakov has to not reveal it to his to his children? Paragraph 4. So we can say the explanation is as follows. According to the um, drasha, according to the way our sages expound, on the Pasuk that says, This is in the Shira, in the song that they sang after the splitting of the sea. And it's referring to the coming into Eretz Yisrael. And it says, Hashem shall bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The setting for your dwelling place, Hashem, that you have affected, the Hashem you have created or affected. This is a reference to going into Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim. And the Medrash says there that if the Jewish people would have merited to go into the land of Israel the first time with Yeshua or even with Moshe perhaps, um, then with Moshe Mustafa, then the Hashem would have made it that by going out of Egypt, He would have brought them immediately into the place of residence which Pa'alta Hashem, which Hashem had created. That refers to a Beis that Hashem creates, and a, now we know it means the third one. But at that time, it could have been the first one because, and when Hashem creates a building, there cannot be any churban, there cannot be any destruction. So that means that the initial redemption from the exile of Mitzrayim of Egypt would have been the ultimate messianic and complete redemption that has no exile afterwards. Which means to say that he wasn't, Yaakov Avinu was not going to tell them about a 5,784 redemption from creation. He was telling them about a redemption that's going to take place at Exodus. Ah, because if they would have merited, that would have been the Ketz, that would have been the coming of Mashiach. Which means to say that the way it was in Yaakov's mind at that wonderful time in Egypt, when everybody was good, everybody was aligned with Yaakov's values. There was a yeshiva in Goshen, and even Yosef was living a Jewish life with his kids in Mitzrayim. It was 
it was in a sense an idyllic life spiritually. So they were in a state of Zohu. They have to go through the enslavement in Egypt because there's a promise to Avram about that. But then when they come out, the way Yaakov sees it, it's going to be a ketz. So that's what it says Yaakov wanted to reveal to them about the end of days. He wanted to reveal to them that when they go out of Egypt, this is going to be that date he wanted to reveal to them. That's going to be the, the, the full redemption. Aye, one second. Even though the time of going out of Egypt was already a, a known time. I mean, Avraham Avinu had already a promise, right? He said, your progeny will be uh, in exile in a land that's not theirs for 400 years. And then they'll go out with a great uh, wealth. But Yaakov Avinu, so what did Yaakov Avinu have to, what was the big news he was coming to reveal to them? So we could say that the Eden knew that they have a 400 year sojourn in Egypt. They knew they're going to go out of Egypt for 400 years. But they didn't understand, first of all, that this is the end of all Golos. By the way, by the way, we do know that together with the, the, the prophecy about the uh, Egyptian exile, in the scene, in the, in the, in the vision that Avraham Avinu has with Eimo, Hashecho, Gedeila, with the the, the 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 darkness at the Brisbane Absalom at the uh, covenant between the parts, there's a reference to four Goliaths there. There's a reference to four kinds of exiles. So it's not clear to the Jewish people that there's only going to be one exile and therefore redemption. And Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal to them that it's possible for them and that the way they stand now, going out of Egypt will finish the whole exile concept for them. It will be the case, it will be the end. Now we'll also understand why he wanted to tell his kids about this, because when they're going to hear the good news that the end of days is, is almost a couple hundred years. So they're going to try hard to stay in that situation of being, Zohu, of being in a refined position to merit the coming of the redemption. So they're going to try and be extra scrupulously careful to not fall into Shemo not to fall into any sinfulness, because remember, sinfulness, even when there's a promise about something good, there can sometimes be a, if it hasn't been openly spoken by the Navi, there can be a delay, there can sometimes be a sin that can push off or delay good things. Um, yeah. So he wanted to tell them, basically, guys, Mashiach is going to come at the end of this. This could be the time. It's going to be the time. If you just keep on going properly, the exile from Egypt, the, the redemption from Egypt will be the end. Paragraph 5, but it's not enough. Why? Because when Yaakov Avinu passed away, there was still around 200 years till going out of Egypt. Which means that for the Jewish people in the generation he's speaking to, it would have made them depressed. I have good news for you guys. In 200 years, Mashiach says, hello, I'm looking for Mashiach to come in my lifetime. What are you telling me about 200 years? And since Alpitava in a natural state of being, he wasn't telling them you're going to be here because people were living 120 years or around that age. So they're not going to be alive for that. So why is he telling them something which seemingly would depress them, not, not empower them? So we could say, though, about this, that really Yaakov was saying not just will it come then, but it's possible to push it forward and make it come earlier. Saying the same way, what he wanted to reveal to them is that the coming of Mashiach is really hinged on their behavior. 
And therefore, if they, there's a date for Mashiach's coming, but if they push and if they exert themselves, if they get to the level that's called Zohu, of being meritorious and refined in their service to Hashem, so this addition in serving Hashem with, with, with extra, uh, with extra uh, uh, dedication will make Mashiach come even earlier. Like we know, the Gemara says that it says that there's Mashiach will come bi'ita, ani Hashem bi'ita, I'm Hashem who will come to redeem you bi'ita in the right time, achishena, I will make it come even quicker. The Gemara says, how can it be, if Mashiach doesn't come at the right time, how can it be that Hashem says, I'll make it quicker? The Gemara says there's two scenarios. There's coming in the time where Hashem says, this is the deadline, and then there's zochel. That's lay zochel. If the Eden didn't do things to make themselves meritorious, then the Mashiach will come in the time that's been allotted. If Zohu, if they do things that makes them meritorious, then Achishana Hashem says in a prophecy, I'll make it come quicker. So Yaakov was telling them, guys, this can be the end of days and you can make it come quicker. Like we find by the going out of Egypt, that one of the reasons that the, the Mitzrayim only was 210 years, not 400 years, although Hashem told Abraham that your, 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 your children are going to be in exile for 400 years, it didn't turn out to be 400 years. Why was that it was only 202 years? Because the difficulty... The suffering of the enslavement kind of accelerated the the um, the number of years. In other words, Hashem took into account the the, the 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 intensity of the enslavement, and therefore let the years be counted for more than their actual chronological value. So, if that's the case, and that accelerate and and, and that. Um, um, if that's the case, and that additional difficulty, additional suffering can make time go be counted faster, and and go and the redemption of Egypt come quicker, so that means that how much more so if the Jews do, if the, if they are zochel, if they are meritorious in a turbo way, like in an accelerated way, how much more so that that too can bring forward and make come quicker the cage, the end of days even before the allotted time. Now, interesting, so we have an answer. We have an answer. Why? Basically, the Rebbe has led us down the path to understand like this. Why would Yaakov want to reveal it? What's the purpose? A, he's not talking about 5,784. He's talking about the year 2448, which is not so far off. It's 200 and it's... Uh, it's, it's a little bit less than 200 years. It's 210 years in Egypt. Yaakov was there for 17 years. So 210 minus 17 is 193. So 193 years later, you guys are going to go out. But that's still depressing. No, no, no. But the same way that there's a date of 193 years, which is the end date, and that comes not after 400 years, but it comes earlier because of the intensity of the exile, if you guys keep up your good behavior and even ex accelerate your good behavior, you can bring it even closer. And you can bring it even closer. It may be maybe in your days even. Oh, now we can understand this is an empowerment. If you tell them, Mashiach is supposed to come, this is this date. And it's very close. But I know it's not in your lifetime. But you can make it happen in your lifetime because Hashem doesn't count the years based on Chronology, Hashem also takes into account other factors which can either accelerate or de and probably not de decelerate, but can accelerate 
and make those those years, so to speak, that time move forward to a much closer time. So you can have it coming in your days. Oh, that's already a good reason to ex to explain to your kids when Mashiach's coming. It's within reach. But if you work a little harder, you can bring it mamish within reach. So that's the answer. The Rebbe is in the going to continue the Sikhata says, so what why didn't Hashem want Yaakov to do it? It seems like a good, seems like a good methodology. We'll deal with that. But here there's an interesting footnote. The Rebbe says that actually. This would be the answer in Pshutesh Mikra also. This would be the answer in the simple reading of the Pasuk. You know why? Because um, why, why is that? Because if you can't say that the answer in the simple reading is that he was intending to the time of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So he was telling them about a time only 200 years away. That doesn't fly in the simple reading because according to the simple reading of the Pasuk, nowhere does it say in Pshat that Mashiach was going to come right after going out of Mitzrayim. The contrary, Rashi brings from the Brisbane Absarim, the, the, the vision by the, the pact, the covenant between the parts, that there is a talk about several exiles. So Pshut the Ben Chamesh knows that there was intended to be several exiles. But what could be possible is that, that because they know it's so far away, even though they know it's 5,784, right? But what do they understand? They understand that it's so far away because of sins. So that would encourage them to tell their children, not just so they stay away from big sins, not to push off Mashiach's coming, but they should exert themselves to add in Torah mitzvahs in order to bring Mashiach's coming earlier, even though, understandably, they wouldn't have told them how long it's going to be. Again, tell it. So, a simple reading of the Pasuk, the Rebbe reads into the simple narrative that Yaakov wanted to tell only his sons. And, and his sons are tzaddikim. He was going to tell them when Mashiach's coming thousands of years later. But he was also telling them that in order to empower them and, and inspire them to do things, to take actions that should make this coming be brought closer by doing, staying away from bad things and doing intensely doing good things. But why didn't Hashem want this? Paragraph 6. Nonetheless, the Shekhinah departed from Yaakov when he wanted to reveal this information. And the Shekhinah Hashem didn't allow that Yaakov should reveal the, the coming of Mashiach. Why not? So the explanation is, the, the shleimus, the, the most wholesome state of serving Hashem is, remember we're talking, in order for Mashiach to come, the best way for Mashiach to come is when Yidin are in a state of zochu. Zochu means when they're meritorious. How to bring a Jew to the best meritorious state? It's, it's when his work is it's his achievement. Like our sages tell us, Adam person is more desirous of one measure of something he earns by his own efforts more than nine measures of something that's handed to him without effort. Mm. So therefore, Hashem wants, now, even though that we have to be honest, every Aveda, anything we do for Hashem is, is initiated by Hashem giving us the power to do it. And as we say, the Chazal tell us, 
we have such a opposition, internal opposition. The Yetzirah is a perfect sparring partner, and he would win. If not that Hashem stands by us and allows us to overcome the Yetzirah. So in reality, let's let's be honest. Don't, don't be, let's not become, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, arrogant. I'm doing the Aveda. No, Hashem giving you the power, but still, it's, the effort and the initiative that come from man make it special and make it much more his. And there's two ways that we can look at this. First of all, the, the even though everything comes from above, but on the one hand, the, the, the help that comes from above is felt by the person when he serves Hashem. For example, there's sometimes a time when you serve Hashem in an auspicious time, a propitious time, like the 10 days of Teshuvah, where Hashem is to be found, and there's a nearness to Hashem, or Shabbos and Yom Tov. Uh, and for somebody that's a little sensitive, there are times when he feels naturally more pulled, something something makes him gravitate to a shul, makes him more introspective, makes him more feel connected to Hashem. That Rizal even says, if a person doesn't cry sometime during the 10 days of Teshuvah, there's something, he's got, to, he's got to go to a spiritual checkup, something wrong, because naturally there's a nearness. So that's a time when you feel Hashem's input into your Aveda. That's one way of serving Hashem. The other way is when the, the initial spark that leads to the subsequent Aveda, the service of man to God, it's only an initial spark, but it's not felt when the actual work is being done. If, if you look at the person, he looks self-motivated. He's exerting himself. He's working hard to, 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 to um, inspire, to keep the inspiration. Like sometimes there are, um, sometimes there are, we say that Pirkei Aves says that there's a uh, heavenly voice that comes down every day from Har Chere, from Har Sinai, and says, woe to those that don't pay attention to Torah. They're, you know, they're, they're looking at, at stupidities, using their brains on stupidities and studying to use their brain on Torah. The Torah is Hashem's wisdom, and, and they're going and, and using their brain for something else. Anybody ever hear that voice? So the Baal Shem Tev taught that the Neshama can hear it. And on some days when the reception, spiritual reception is good, the Neshama can pick it up, and you don't even know. But all of a sudden, when you get an inspiration, it could be because the Neshama heard that heavenly voice. <laughs> but then when you serve Hashem, when you take that inspiration and run with it, you don't necessarily feel the inspiration. You feel that you're working hard to study, to get closer to Hashem. So there's two modes, in other words. There's a mode where the inspiration from Hashem is, is, is present in an obvious way. And therefore, when you're serving Hashem under that in that position, in that uh, situation, really you're mirroring Hashem's input into you. You're being held by the hand, in a sense, by Hashem. There's another way of serving Hashem where you, the feeling that Hashem inspires you is not is not there evident. It's perhaps deeply embedded within you. But what you feel and what other people can see is that this person is working hard. There's there, there's a buy-in. There's a there's an ownership to this spiritual journey that the person has. And this is why the Shechina went away from Yaakov and he wanted to tell them Mashiach's coming. Because if Yaakov would have told them the, the story about the end, and he would have told them that by adding in serving Hashem, um, if he would have told them when Mashiach is coming, so they would have been so empowered and inspired and 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 turned on, so to speak, by Yaakov's information, 
that they're, they're, they're being, holding themselves in a meritorious, in a zochu state of being, it wouldn't have really been their achievement. It would have been because of a, a, a great light shone upon them by Yaakov Aminu. The gilui, the revelation of Mashiach's coming, that whole concept would have been so much part of their journey that it wouldn't have really been their journey. It would have been a divinely inspired journey. That's why the Shekhinah had to move away from him in order that the Aveda that the Jew is doing should be without Hashem's open presence and help. The Kates, the coming of Mashiach was covered over and concealed. Now Hashem says, let's see. Let's see you do it yourself. Let's see you do Aveda B'Kei you serve Hashem with your own, on your own volition. Also, never says here like a almost a curve, not a curveball, but it slides in it. Thirty thirty-five. Also, we could say says the Rebbe, Hashem also didn't want that their service should be in order. That they get the schar of bringing the kates earlier. We have to study this order. I'm not sure. I didn't study it yet, but just pointing it out. Yaakov wanted, so what did Yaakov want? If Hashem didn't want him to tell, because he wanted the Aveda to be more their own, why didn't Yaakov see that? He's a good father. Wouldn't a father want his child to earn his derech, to earn his path? Not, not necessarily. Why did Yaakov want to reveal it? He says, I just want to get him out of exile. Yes, maybe, it, maybe it's not going to be so wholesome and complete. But you know what? I want to tell them information that's going to accelerate them and get them out of what's called ervata aretz of the of the profaneness of the of the negativity of the exile and the exilic land that they're in in Egypt and future exile. One second, and I want to bring them. So wait, let's finish paragraph. I want to get them out of this, says Yaakov, and I want to bring them into the into the truthful and complete geula. I know it's better that they take the, the arduous path of self-avoid, of self-worth, uh, of, of working and owning it themselves. But I just, I'm a father. I want to get him out of there. I want to get him out of this horrible situation of Golos. And maybe we could say that this is what the expression is, Bikesh Yaakov Legalis, that Hashem want, that Yaakov wanted, Bikesh is not just wanted. Bikesh can also be Bakosha, he requested from Hashem. He's saying, Hashem, Please let me give them this information. Let this just happen quicker. I know what you want, but let me, my kids, I want them out of there. Let me turn on the light and let it happen quicker. Even though it's not going to be so wholesome in terms of them doing it 1 million percent properly and owning it. Hashem said, no, I want the Geula to come in a perfectly wholesome and complete state. And that has to be when they do it themselves. And that's why Hashem Shechino departed from Yaakov which means not that Hashem, God forbid, doesn't want us to get to Geula, but Hashem wants us to get to the redemption on our own volition in the sense that we have to earn it and therefore it becomes ours much more. By the way, we find in Ara 37 that by Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim, the Bnei Yisrael said, take us out of Egypt. And, the, and, and Hashem said, but I have to set up the scenario to give you the Rechush Gadol, to give you the, the money. I need to go through all the plagues and then the darkness where you take the money and you go out. And they said, we forget the money. We'll just go out. <laughs> and, and Hashem says, no. In other words, they're ready to take an 80% uh, geula redemption, go out, save themselves, forget the money, but just go out earlier. Hashem says, I'm not ready to do that. 
I promised Abraham Avinu is going to be with money. I want to do it 100%. Here also, Yankov saying, I know 100% is that they should earn it, they should not feel or know, and they should be more in the dark, and they should therefore have a more artist journey, and they should be more difficult and, 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 and more temptation. But I don't want that, says Yankov. Bikesh, and I'm asking Hashem, please give them an ear. Hashem says, no. I want it to be in a more wholesome way. There's something deeper. Paragraph 7. And this is intrinsic to what Geula is. Listen to this. The fact that um, the Geula, the complete Geula, comes in a way where the service that the Yidin are doing, that the Jews are doing to Hashem, is, is in a way where it's, so to speak, the, 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 the Shechina, the revelation of Hashem is sucked out of it. And therefore, it's not an obvious path to serve Hashem. It's a, it's 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 a, it's a it's a it's a difficult journey to self motivate and find Hashem, even when there is no obvious inspiration shone from above. Why does that have to be the path to the ultimate redemption? Because that's what the ultimate redemption is. What do we mean? In order that we should come to a redemption, our, our final geula. It's not like the other redemptions which had a subsequent exile. We went out of Egypt, we went into Babylon later on, and so on. This is going to be a complete and eternal redemption. What does that mean? It means there's not going to be any changes. It's going to be a constant. So the kind of service to Hashem that has to invite that, has to elicit that, that prepares for that, should be similar to that. In other words, we should. it should be this this. Redemption should be invited in and drawn down by a service to Hashem that is a service to Hashem of unchanging, an unyielding service to Hashem. You know what kind of service to Hashem, what kind of Avedis Hashem is unyielding and unchanging? Only when it comes from yourself. If it's hinged on how much inspiration do I feel today is in the air, so then it's not unchanging. Today you feel that it's Yom Kippur and you feel inspired. And tomorrow is 17th day of Tavis. And quite frankly, it's not even the 10th of Tavis. It's not even the 20th of Tavis. The said it's the 17th of Tavis. 17 gematria, good. 17th of Tavis. Nothing inspirational about it. I mean, of course there is, but it's not one of those. Ah, so, but on that day, if you take those days, and nonetheless you serve Hashem, you show that you're serving Hashem in an unchanging way. It's, there's a permanence to it. It's it's coming from yourself. And therefore, this uh, uh, this is this this has longevity, this has endurance. Again, if it's coming from yourself, nothing can change that. It's interesting. I just this is not a in the Sikha, I'm gonna throw in a parenthetical thought that in human experience, many people, you know, the world is divided into, the Jewish community is divided into many. But in many ways, Jewish community is divided into those that grew up with Torah observance and those that came through their own journey to Torah observance. Those that grew up with Torah observance, very clearly, at a younger age, before it becomes their own, before they have ownership on it, they're really hinged on the level of uh, oversight, the level of inspiration in their home, the level of uh, excitement that's been created in their home, passion or whatever it is, or the level of what people have done to turn them off or whatever it may be, very much hinged on the outside. 
when somebody comes to Yiddishkeit, when somebody comes to Torah Mitzvahs based on their own journey, now they're earning it. Now nothing can change them. They've been there. They've been in the. They're coming from the other place. Nobody's looking at them to see are they keeping Shabbos? Are they eating kosher? Nobody. Nobody expects it of them. Nobody's looking at them. The outside, their outside society is not their influence. Is not the barometer. Is not what's causing them. Now when they take that journey, they earn it. That's unyielding. It's unchanging. When they really earn it and they're really convinced and they're really into it, that becomes an aveda, which is bekoyach atzmam. This represents the work that they do from their own, of their own volition, and that's unchanging. And that's what can bring the Geula, this work that's done without the outside Gilui, which would have been represented by revealing when Mashiach comes, that would have been like shining the light onto the Bnei Soh. Hashem says, I want it to be done without the light shining. I want them to be in the dark and to climb their way up, rope, discover, work, own it, and this will elicit, eventually when, when the Geula comes, will elicit an unchanging, unyielding, eternal redemption. Paragraph 8. According to this, we have to understand, on the other hand, so what was Yaakov thinking? If Hashem's argument is so persuasive that he wants them to do it on their own, and it sounds amazing, yeah, earn it. It'll be harder. Earn it. So what did he want? Why did he want to reveal it? So we can explain the answer, at least according to Chassidus. It's known, I don't mean at least, we can explain, but the Rebbe says, according to Chassidus, very often in Sichas, will go from Pshat, and then it's say, but I'm going to give you an answer that fits according to Chassidus, but it's all one Torah anyway, so it's not like it's uh, there's no issue with that. So we know, on the contrary, sometimes the answer really only resonates on one of the other aspects of Torah. If the answer really, the answer to a, a naughty uh, question in Nigla de Torah, in the revealed aspects of Torah, in the Gemara, and the Poiskim, if 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 you, you come to a, 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 a teiku, to a question, and then you see that and Kabbalah can provide an answer so that even more shows how it's one Torah. Each, each part of Torah complements and, and brings wholesomeness to the other part. So here's what's, what's Alpi Chassidus looking from the path of Chassidus. Why did Yaakov nonetheless want to challenge, so to speak, or request Hashem to let him turn on the light and reveal when Mashiach is coming? So we know that the Madrega of Yaakov, the level of Yaakov, in, when we refer to him in Sphiris, is Atzilus. Atzilus is the highest of the four worlds that are created in order to create this world, the fourth world of Asiya of Deen. The world of Atzilus, the highest world, is Eilam Ha'aklus. It's a world of unification, of oneness. And it's a world of post post bureau, post refinement. Now everything's, everything's perfect there. Our world is a confused world. It's a mixed up world. Bad and good are mixed together. The world of Atzillus is a perfect world where everything is refined. Since by Yaakov, in his level, the world is seen in, 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 in a state of being post-refinement, especially as he's about to pass away. You know, when somebody passes away, it's not in, in the graph of life. Most, most uh, contemporary views of life is you go up, 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 maybe to your 30, 40, 50, and people like to, these days, people like to think the, the, new, the new 30s is whatever, you know. They, uh, and then eventually they start the decline. The way it is, according to Torah, that the whole life is one continuum of serving Hashem. So at Sadiq, who's always serving Hashem, particularly at Sadiq, everybody, but particularly at Sadiq, the culmination of his life is the last day of his life, the last breath of his life. That's when the continuum, that's when the wholesomeness of his serving Hashem is finished. So Yaakov Avinu's greatest level state of Kedusha is right before he passes away. And now he wants to tell them, 
He says, I'm finished. Um, I've already done whatever I have to do. By me, I don't need this additional um, advantage of working without turning on the light, without the uh, without the power given from above. I've already done everything I have to do. And that's why Yaakov wanted to bring this to his children. He understood. He figured that his children are mitalt. You know, they're, they're holding with at his level. The Gemara says that when Yaakov saw that the Shechina went away from him, and he couldn't tell them Mashiach's coming, he got very disturbed. He said, uh-oh, maybe there's somebody improper amongst my kids. Maybe someone's not holding with me at my level. In other words, so you see from that, from his disappointment and his suspicion, maybe someone's not at his level, that he assumed they're all at his level. So now we'll understand, and that's why he wanted to tell them. He thought if, if, you know, sometimes you can be old with your father's years. If you're so attached to your father or to your teacher and everything you know is from him, then all the wisdom they have from the years they've lived, you start from that point. So he was saying, they're already at my level. They, they're with me. We've already done everything we need to do on our own volition. And that's why, so according to this, we'll understand the two opinions, by the way, whether Yaakov knew or didn't know. Did he forget or not forget? The Magister says that it was taken away from him was concealed from him as well. Because Hashem wanted that also Yaakov, Yaakov, you think you that you don't need this added benefit of continuing to work on your own volition, from your own kayach atzmai. No, 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 no. You still also can have an additional benefit. I want you to, to once again remember that this, that you're working without knowing the end game, it makes you work harder. This is still good even for you, right before you pass away. The Shah says that only he that he, he remembered when Mashiach's coming. The Shekhinah departed from him. In other words, Yaakovino indeed didn't need this additional benefit. He was able to know when Mashiach's coming. The only thing is, he couldn't bring it. He couldn't, uh, he, 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 his kids weren't at that level. So he had to be withheld from telling it to his kids. They needed the additional benefit of working in the dark in order to have full ownership and to come to, to Hashem without the inspiration from above being the driving force. Okay, nine. Now we have a practical thing. Even though Hashem obviously brought it to the fact that Yaakov shouldn't reveal the end of days to his children, but from the fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal it, and we know that Yaakov was a conduit and a merkava to Hashem's holy will. So we understand that the fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal it must also be part of the godly plan. More than, moreover, since the request of a tzaddik certainly does not remain unanswered, so definitely there must have been a result down below. In other words, it couldn't be that what he wanted to do just was rejected and nothing happened from it. This is a very interesting concept. Even when Hashem doesn't accept it, like by Moshe. By Moshe it says that he wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. What does it say? I pray to Hashem to go and see Eretz Yisrael. Hashem said, you can't go. What did he want to do though? Why did he want to go and see Eretz Yisrael? Because he wanted to bring the level of re'iyah, the level of clarity of vision. There's a level of belief in Hashem, which is a little bit more cloudy and distant, like hearing. I can convince 
myself about Hashem's presence, then there's a level of such clarity, it's almost like I can see Hashem's presence in, in, in my mind's eye. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted, of course, if you can see it with such clarity, it's much closer to you, then there's no questions. Moshe wanted to bring this gift to the Jewish people by going into Eretz Yisrael. Hashem said, you can't go in. But he said, I just want to see it, which meant I want to bring my people the gift of vision. But he wasn't so... Um, so he, Hashem didn't fulfill that for him. Because the Yidin were not at that level. They were at the level of Shema. Listen, nonetheless, Moshe um, Rabbeinu, we say in, in Chassidus, that Moshe Rabbeinu's um, tefillah, footnote here, where's the source for this? Moshe Rabbeinu's um, tefillah, it's in the Kodetayra, various books of Chassidus, Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah did achieve that the Jews should at least in a peripheral way have a connection to clarity like vision. And says the Rebbe, and by unique individuals, even in an internalized way, they will have the gift of, of, of clarity, of vision of Hashem, so to speak, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to provide. But that will be not to everybody. But everybody did get some level of that. In other words, even though Hashem says no, it can't be that what the tzaddik asked is totally rejected. So when Yaakov wanted to reveal Mashiach's coming, where do we see an expression of that in the future, in our times? So we could say the same thing by Yaakov. The fact that Yaakov wanted to take this track, and he asked Hashem, please let me reveal the end of times, it did express, it did reveal to the Jewish people in some way that they can come to some kind of a peripheral, general, uh, general knowledge of the coming of Mashiach. In other words... They'll be able to, what did we say? What would have the revelation of Mashiach's coming would have given them a power that would have enabled them to overcome their internal their internal struggles, the struggles from the outside. So even though we weren't given that gift in a, in a full way, but in some way, we do have access to sometimes having, to serving Hashem in a way where we can be free of the, um, of the forces of negativity from the outside. And I would assume that means that even before Mashiach comes, we can have the revelation in some ways. There can be good times, peaceful times, times when even the nations of the world enable and even help the Jewish people serve Hashem. I mean, till very recently, this was very obvious. We saw it very obviously. Right now, there's a, a hiccup in the road, you could say, right? The war and the surge of anti-Semitism and so on, but... There can be a gilu, there can be a, a, a revelation, even before Mashiach, like, like Yaakov wanted, but not in a real way, but at least in a, in, in a kind of peripheral way. And then, by some people, Yechidei Skula, by some select individuals, perhaps they can even have access to what Yaakov wanted and even to know more clearly where Mashiach's coming. And the Rebbe says, this may be the explanation why some of the great leaders of Israel, like Rab Sadiagoin, Rambam, and others, many others, did try and figure out when Mashiach's coming. Now, many will point to the Rambam. The Rambam says, Tipach, Rucham, Shel, Nobody knows what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. The, 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 the spirit should be Tipach, I don't know what Tipach, but basically, the Rambam denigrates those that try and make the calculations when Mashiach's coming. But yet there are many Gedoyle Yisrael, many great leaders, again, with Psad Yegoin, Rambam, Rambam himself, who gives us various, um, because there is a code that can be deciphered in the end of Daniel, but it can be deciphered in many ways. So, um, 
says the Rebbe here, an interesting thing, that the Rambam, we could say, is speaking to Kol Yisrael. It's a Sefer Halacha, it's a book of Halacha for all Jews. It's no other 51. It's a, it's a book of Halacha for all Jews. The Gedoyle Yisrael, perhaps, Yechidei Segula, certain select individuals were privy to being like Yaakov. The fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal it means that there is... This concept still does exist in the world. It's not totally non-existent. But Rambam says it's not for the generic populace. Even the Rambam himself does have a um, does have a, a ketz, even though he says not to make one. At any rate, so generally speaking, we need to be in the dark about when Mashiach's coming, because knowing it would empower us too much. It would not just be knowing Mashiach's coming. It would be a clarity about how things have to work, and that would give us much more power, but not our own earned power. It would give us much more power from above to, to, to withstand and to do better. Shem wants us to do better even without the inspiration from above. There are some individuals that can have access to that, says the Rebbe here. 10, paragraph 10. So here we have a, 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 a teaching for the Jews in all generations that we need to have. This feeling of Yaakov is a good feeling. Yaakov wanted to reveal the end of days. A yid should want and ask Hashem, please reveal to me the coming of Mashiach. Just asking and thinking about it is in itself a help to be able to serve Hashem. When, you, when as we see, simply speaking, when you tell a yid that Mashiach is about to come, at at kum Mashiach, and you tell a yid, let's say openly, we want Mashiach now. Now is now. So that creates an additional excitement, an additional uh, uh, alacrity in serving Hashem, and it creates a, 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 an additional um, sensitivity that there shouldn't be any sin, because if Mashiach is about to come, anything we do now can be can be um, critical to either delaying Hashem or making it come quicker. And in our days, we have another thing, and that is that, that the Gemara already said, all the kitsim, all the kitsim, all the ends that have been predicted have passed, the matter is only reliant on us coming back to Hashem doing Teshuvah. The Gemara says simply that the time has passed. All we need now is what the Zoya terms a shaitach, one turn to Hashem. And that will bring to miyad Nigolim that immediately there'll be the redemption. Miyad, miyad means immediately, mamish, and to bring it into the language of English now. Um, and interesting, the Rebbe says there's a gematria for the word now. Now in Hebrew is spelt nun, aleph, vav. That's the gematria zon, nun, zayin, 57. And the gematria 57 is like havaya, yudke vavke is 26, plus kel. Kel is 31. 26 plus 31 is 57, which is the gematria of now. So we want Mashiach now. There'll be a revelation of kel, havaya, Hashem in this world. So we have here both aspects. The, the aspect that on the one hand, Yaakov wants us to get the inspiration just to get us out of here as soon as possible. Hashem says, no, I want this to be 100% an earned redemption so it should be unchanging and it should be something that's eternal. And the Rebbe coming and saying that uh, we've done both already. I mean, we're already way past the time and uh, we've done enough work. So now we know that he's about to come and... Um, we need to, that itself will inspire us to do things, to refrain from things that delay his coming and do things that hasten his coming. May the be our days, mamish.